Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Poole, and my guest today is Mary Rosak, Director of Communications for Albany County. And Mary is going to talk about, give us an update on COVID. So, Mary, we just spoke not too long ago. Have the cases been increasing? Yeah, the cases have, have continued to go up, Cynthia. And, you know, it's it's scary when you think about the fact that um, we have been talking about um, a second wave. And we have been talking about not letting our guard down and making sure that we are following the guidelines and wearing a mask, wearing it properly to cover your nose and your mouth, um, washing your hands frequently. You know, the hand sanitizing is very important. Coughing into your elbow or sneezing into your elbow. Social distancing. Um, we've been saying for a long time, wear your mask and social distance. It's not one or the other. And we, are, we have heard uh, repeatedly that that needs to be done in tandem. So if you're next to someone, even though you have a mask on, you need to be six feet away. So um, the issue has become we've, we've heard about sporting events, we've heard about large gatherings, um, we've heard about and we've seen people not wearing their masks properly, and now we're seeing the, the direct impact of that with our cases continuing to increase. So as we talk right now, I'm going to give you it's a snapshot in time, right, because people are testing every day. We are doing more testing than, than, we, than we were when this started. Um, you know, we got our first two confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Albany County on March 12th. So we are um, fast approaching uh, the eight-month mark uh, as, mm-hmm. we, uh, as, we, as we tape this. Um, and yet we are seeing numbers that are up there right, with, um, right around the time we shut down. So it is, it is frightening. Um, we today reported, and as we're taping this, it's, it's November 10th, we reported 68 right. new cases. Um, day before that, 39. Day before that, 55 new positive cases. 69 before that, 44, 43. If we go back in, in uh, since um, November 2nd, if we look at the last um, the, the press briefing we did at uh, the beginning of November, we have 403 positive cases in eight days. That, that, that tells a story. That tells a story that um, people are out there in the community, there is community spread, and it's, it's time that people need to clamp down and, and reevaluate again what they're doing, where they're going, and, and how they're doing it. Uh, would you say that a majority of the cases are in institutions like uh, nursing homes and and like the VA? What do you think? No, I, I you know if if we take a look at I'll just take a look at today's and it, it really pretty much um, has been along the same trend. Um, we get uh, a breakdown of the daily cases. And so when we report out, when we send out a press release or when we report out uh, to the media, um, we try and break down those positives. So today out of the 68 positive cases that that, uh, we processed overnight, we tell you the different categories. 
you're asking about where a majority are coming from and you're saying are they in congregate settings or maybe are they um, with healthcare workers because we have the two of them together. Right. So of, of the 68 cases overnight that we processed, five of those total, five were either healthcare workers or residents of a group setting. So you say, okay, where are the rest? What are the other categories? We had two people that had reported traveling out of state. The other two categories out of the four categories we have are people who have had close contact with a positive case. So that's where the contact tracing really says, okay, we, 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 had, we were in touch with X, Y, and Z. We went to these places, and that's how they identified 32 of the cases out of the 68 had had a close contact to a positive. The disturbing number from the last group, 29 out of the 68 positive cases, 29, didn't have a clear source of infection to track back to when we talked to them. So that says a couple of things. Either they are not recalling all of the places that they went and telling the contact tracers, um, or which is even more alarming, they, people that are being asked where they've been and they've been in touch with are holding back or withholding and not necessarily uh, being completely forthcoming and sharing names or sharing locations because they don't want to turn in a friend or they don't want to admit they've been to a party. And that's very dangerous because mm -hmm. if we cannot identify the people that we need to get in touch with to say, okay, let's talk about your, your exposure. Let's talk about whether you have symptoms. Let's talk about whether you need to get a test or be quarantined. If we can't make that determination, then we could have potentially all these other people going out there that may be asymptomatic, or they may have symptoms but think, oh, I have a little sniffle. It's not a big deal. Or I have something, but I don't have the other symptoms, so I'm not going to go for a test. And infecting other people. Right? So mm -hmm. that's where the danger lies. So we, we definitely have, we have what's called community spread. It's being spread. Um, you know, the governor, the governor talks about the success of, of the microclusters and his treatment of that with the red, orange, and yellow zones. Um, mm -hmm. At the same time, while that, while that um, may be effective, we're seeing other parts of the state that are now falling into the microcluster category and are now being uh, held to those standards. We're seeing, you know, Erie County and Monroe County out in the western part of the state and Onondaga County in central New York. Uh, so previously, you know, it, it was, you know, focused on, you know, Brooklyn, Orange County, you know, places that are, that are south of here, uh, south of here being, being south of, of the capital region. And, and now that there are other, other counties that are, um, you know, not in that area in different parts of the state that are undergoing those same, that same zoning and microcluster treatment. Um, so the question remains, I mean, it, are, are we going to get to a point where that happens here? Has the uh, death rate increased or decreased? In other words, are the... Are the healthcare professionals more able to to deal with it and save lives than they were when this first came about? Well, the one thing that I can speak to, I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but the one thing I can speak to when I look at the numbers and I look at the data, um, 
I can say that, you know, we are still losing Albany County residents. Um, you know, we've lost uh, to the virus, uh, we've lost 144 since the beginning. Um, so we have gone, we, we lost, you know, two people uh, late last week. Um, we've lost in November, as I, uh, as I take a look in November for the entire month, we've, we've um, you know, we've lost two people um, so far. We are losing, you know, usually it's, a, it's been about a week or a little bit more, and then we, we seem to, to find that we've lost someone who has underlying condi health conditions, uh, and we, you know, continue to say underlying health conditions because that's important to remember that if someone uh, is compromised in some way, their health is, is compromised, uh, that, that they are, are more susceptible. Now, that being said, our hospitalizations are, um, are coming to a point where we're, we're getting alarmed again. We're back at, you know, to, as of today, we had uh, 36 people in the hospital. We've had 36 people in the hospital last back in, um, around that number back in May. And that's we were, when we were, you know, locked down, uh, presumably talking about being at the height of the pandemic uh, for us then. Um, in terms of ICU, um, ICU patients, you know, we have five as of today, um, which has increased over the last couple of days. But, um, but to be honest with you, it's, we have had fewer ICU patients um, than, we, uh, than we had um, at, different, at different points during the pandemic. But the hospitalization rate is something that, you know, we need to, we need to worry about. Um, positive cases, like I said, the more positive cases we have, the uh, more likely the chance is that, um, that someone who has an underlying condition is, in fact, going to get COVID. And when that happens, that's generally um, hits harder and that person is in, is in the hospital. Now, while we historically had seen seniors, and I'm not saying that we are not seeing seniors still, the fact of the matter is um, one of our most recent uh, Albany County residents that passed away from the virus was in her 60s. So, you know, it is creeping down just a little bit, um, not, necessarily, um, not necessarily seeing seniors that are um, at the high end, um, 80s or 90s, being um, the, the, I hate to say the norm, but being the ones who are um, not only falling susceptible, but then uh, succumbing to, to the virus. We've now seen some younger seniors uh, as well. So people use the phrase underlying conditions. That could be an open-ended phrase. What's your definition of, um, what's your definition, definition of that Mary underlying well, conditions well we you know we are we are told underlying conditions so I don't necessarily know um, you know what the underlying conditions are but we know that people are more susceptible if they have um, you know high blood pressure uh, if they have diabetes if they have um, allergies if they have asthma um, you know heart and lung conditions um, are, tend to um, exacerbate the impact of, of COVID-19 uh, and I know that there's been an argument made that, you know, the older we get, virtually everyone um, would have an underlying condition, right? So if, if you take a look and, and someone, um, you know, is overweight, uh, sometimes that uh, leads to other conditions, which someone would say you have underlying conditions, and so um, your, mm -hmm. your system is susceptible. 
Um, so it's it's difficult when when we are just told underlying conditions, but that's what uh, the releases from uh, that we get from the uh, from the medical community. Um, I guess the bottom line is, you know, the like I said, the older we get, the uh, oftentimes we we develop uh, different kinds of medical conditions, and so we need to to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and we are healthy. Um, but these days, I know that that people have relaxed um, relaxed their guard. And, you know, I even find myself saying, um, do I need to be now physically, you know, going out to dinner? Do I continue to get takeout? Do I see anyone, whether it's, so, you know, socially distanced outside, is that necessary? Or can we Zoom? Um, or can we, you know, FaceTime? Uh, I think that, that People have experienced, as the county executive, uh, county executive McCoy has talked about, you know, COVID fatigue. Um, you know, those certainly, those individuals certainly in our, our health department, who have been working on the front lines uh, for now for for eight months, our uh, folks in the hospital who have been uh, working, our, our healthcare workers on the front lines, you know, people who have been home, and who haven't returned to their workplace. Uh, are experiencing COVID fatigue also. Uh, we, we tend not to think about it as much, uh, but it is, it, this, this virus, this pandemic has taken its toll in so many ways on, on so many people. Going out to take a walk is very, uh, is very important. Going out to get exercise is, is very important. But the so, lack of socialization, the lack of being able to go and give someone a hug. Um, right. That that's tough, you know. I, you know, talk to people. I'm I'm out every day here doing my job, assisting the county executive in in putting the message out, and making sure that that people are aware of 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 what is happening. And so sometimes I forget. I see people physically every day. Um, right. You know, I'm driving on the road, and there are more people that are driving and that are out there now. And you go to a grocery store. Um, I don't know what your experience uh, has been, Cynthia, going to a grocery store, but the parking lots are packed now. It's it's not like what it was several months ago. And I am not in any in any way, shape, or form saying that people should not be going out. But I I think that people are no longer thinking of COVID as the uh, danger that it still still poses. And that's why we're going into Thanksgiving, and, you know, I've got to tell you, I, for one, am very concerned that people are not going to observe the very good advice that we have been given and say, do not get together with your family. People think, okay, we can have up to 25 people at an indoor event, and we can have 50 people outside, and that means that we can get together. Well, let's think about it. Who are those 25 people that you're going to bring into your home for Thanksgiving? Do you know where those 25 people have been? They're your family. But who are they interacting with? Who have they interacted with in the last few days? And is it worth, is it worth getting together for dinner to risk exposing everyone else? And as much as, Mm. you know, my voice is going to crack because it makes me very sad that I will not be able to see my family in that way. 
But it is so right. very important. It's very important not to to do that. It's important to 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 stop the spread. And you know, if we take a look, if we take a look at uh, our neighboring state, Massachusetts. Now, um, I'm I'm a Massachusetts native, so my family, a large part of my family, is there. Massachusetts last week. Um, is starting to to shut down. They are reverting. They no longer can have 25 people indoors. Now it's back to 10 people at a gathering. They can have only 25 people outside. They have a stay-at-home order, um, which is don't don't go out unless uh, unless you are going to work, unless you are going to the grocery store, unless you um, are an essential uh, employee. There is mm-hmm. a curfew. 10 o'clock at night until 5 o'clock in the morning. You can't be on the road unless you fit into one of those categories. Um, the restaurants are shutting down at 9.30. You can't sell liquor uh, or, or have a bar even serving liquor or, or um, food after 9.30. This is going back. It's stepping back again. Do we want to step back in New York? Do we want to go through that again? And I think the answer to that is no. Right. So, so how do we how do we safeguard ourselves then? Um, the only way to do that is to pay attention to the rules, is to, you know, follow the guidelines, is to mm-hmm. not engage in risky behaviors. Now, uh, my my gym reopened about maybe a month ago. Uh-huh. But you're required you're required to wear a mask when you go there. I went a couple of times and it's really difficult to work out with a mask. Sure. I said, nah, I'll I'll wait until this this whole thing blows over. But you know, back in March when this first thing, you know, hit, it was like towards the end of winter we were going into spring, and now we're still talking about a second wave, and we're going into winter, and there's the possibility of flu. So I don't think the next couple of months are going to be a walk in the park, right? No, they're they're not. Um, you know, when you when you think about it, as you said, it was March, and then it started. You know. It was the start of spring, and we were looking forward to warm weather. We were looking forward to being able to get out. And, you know, it was important that we were able to do those things. But now we're, we're heading into winter, and so we're bundling up. We're going back inside. Um, people need to make sure that they are getting their flu shots. Um, you know, that's important, too, as, we're entering, as we are entering the flu season. Um, you know, it's going to be more difficult. People want to be out and doing things, and yet, you know, we know that that we had a little more success outside in the summertime with the virus because we were more distanced and, and uh, we seem to have, for whatever reason, a, um, a, a better outcome uh, in the warmer weather. But now that we're entering the, 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 the colder weather, um, you know, that's frightening too. Right. So uh, the flu on top of this is not a good combination. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that was right? 
Well, the issue with the flu is, you know, if you don't get a flu shot, it hits you hard. Um, you you could be taking a bed uh, in the hospital that could be needed for uh, someone who uh, is is you know afflicted with COVID nineteen and may need that bed. So, you know, we don't and we don't know how strong this this flu season is going to be. I mean, if we take a look um, at some of the other countries, they, they've had a lighter flu season um, so far. And yet, you know, we're at the beginning, and, you know, the, the expectation is that it might be uh, a little bit milder if people are wearing their masks um, because they're not, mm-hmm. you know, sharing and spreading um, germs and if they're following the guidelines of, of washing their hands frequently, et cetera. So, you know, that may, that may play into it as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you don't want to have a double whammy where you have people that are experiencing the second wave of COVID, you know, coming in with those who are who are getting the flu because they haven't had a flu shot or getting a, getting an extreme case of the flu, um, and and then you know there there would be a surge in our hospitals. Um, what what is, uh, you know what we're, we're gonna, Thanksgiving is just a couple of weeks away. Are there any travel restrictions in Albany County that people should be aware of? Well, you know, the governor came out with, uh, oh, about 10 days ago, um, a a new uh, travel uh, formula, so to speak. Before, there were lists of states, and um, there was a two-week quarantine period when you came back. Um, It is one of those things now where, uh, I don't want to speak as the authority. Uh, anyone interested should should really go uh, and check it out um, on the uh, the state website. Um, but in in essence, people that are traveling uh, into New York State, particularly from one of the other states that that has been at uh, uh, typified the high risk, would take a COVID test before getting on the plane take a COVID test and have it, have it be negative because they'd have to prove that they were negative um, as they arrived on the plane here in New York. And uh, then they would quarantine for three days. On the fourth day, take another COVID test here. And when they take that COVID test, if it's negative, then they are no longer quarantined. So it's a much shorter period. Um, you know, there are okay. different different guidelines for if it's if you're going less than 24 hours if you're an essential worker etc i don't want to get into all of that um but i do so i do encourage folks to um to actually go to the website the state website and look that up you know there are different regulations also the guidelines don't those guidelines don't necessarily apply to the contiguous states you know um, massachusetts connecticut new jersey um pennsylvania i believe um when it comes to uh, to New York and coming in and out, because there are a great number of people from each state that uh, you know come back and forth for work. So, um, you know, you said that you've been working all the time in the office. You know, I'm a retired state worker, and state workers are working at home. Are are county employees working in their office, or are a majority of them still working at home? Well, I know it's different by department, so I don't want to characterize majority of because I I, I don't want to misspeak. Um, but there are some, uh, certainly some uh, county uh, workers 
who are working at home. Um, each department has different uh, guidelines. It's called the uh, Continuity of, of Operations Plan, or COOP. Um, as we have it, which um, in order to uh, keep workers safe and keep everything uh, still moving forward in terms of delivering um, our programs and services, there are some departments that have staggered schedules to lessen any um, potential congestion of employees in the workplace. So there are some staggered schedules that could mean, you know, uh, staggered during the day for shifts, or it could mean that they have. Um, certain periods where someone's here for one week and one week in, then one week from home and one week in and that's and, and something along those lines. Um, so that's that's what we're that's what we're looking at in, in terms of um, the workplace. Uh, we you know we here uh, I, I have my own office um, so I you know am not uh, you know close to anyone else when we are um, having uh, meetings, we are socially distanced and wear masks. When we are in, you know, the hallways, when we are going to going on our way to the bathroom or on our way to an elevator, et cetera, we, you know, always have our masks on. We do have uh, different regulations now uh, posted for using uh, the elevator. So um, there is a maximum number of people uh, listed per different size elevator. So I know. You know, some elevators that, you know, for instance, the one that I would be normally taking in our county office building at 112 State has a limitation posted of four people per that elevator. There are other elevators throughout the county that have different limitations based on the size, which may be smaller. So there are ways that, um, that we have looked at to make things um, safer for not only for our employees, but for those who are entering the building. I mean, people who have come into our building, there's that list of questions. I'm sure you go different places, um, Cynthia, maybe even to the doctor, where they ask you a list of, of questions. Have you, have you experienced oh, this, this, yeah. this? And so um, if you say yes to any of them, you, you know, you, you can't come in. Um, there are temperature checks. You know, there's mm -hmm. the uh, hand sanitizer everywhere, so people can frequently um, wash, their, wash their hands, uh, you know, with a hand sanitizer or go into the bathroom and, and wash their hands. Um, we have our elevators um, and our buildings, all of our buildings, uh, which undergo cleanings on a regular basis, not just the, you know, the regular vacuum, et cetera, but um, there are different machines that are rotated around through the buildings that actually do the, the cleaning um, mm -hmm. proactively. So there are all kinds of things that are, that are being done on a regular basis uh, to ensure that, that the county workforce uh, can stay uh, healthy and safe, and that anyone who comes into the building that needs to be into the building for in the building for a face-to-face -face meeting of some kind is is safe as well. Mary, thank you so much. Our time is just about up, but you know, this this pandemic is not going to end tomorrow. So I look forward to other conversations where you can update the residents of Albany County on, you know, the status of of the pandemic in the capital region. So you have been listening to Mary Rozak, Director of Communications for Albany County. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Mary, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Bye.